Welcome to We've Been Watching with David Stevenson and Claire Woodward. Claire, how are you? Have you been thrilled and uh, invigorated by the week's television? Well, I think there's there's quite a lot to be thrilled and invigorated uh, about at the moment, whether it's sort of news, like we discussed a lot of the Royal stuff last week, or... Um, Dominic Cummings or the Friends reunion. You know, there's lots, there's lots to talk about. There's lots of event television at the moment, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not mentioning Prince Harry this week. He has done another instalment of his programme with Oprah Winfrey, but we'll we'll let that pass by because apparently he didn't mention anyone from the royal family. So until he mentions them again, we're not going to talk about it. But let's start with Friends reunion. And I was surprised when I sat down to watch this in the morning uh, when it was going out live, um, how much I enjoyed it because I thought it was going to absolutely annoy me because for me in a house with children, you have all the friends episodes constantly on and you're thinking this is just a complete (laughs) annoyance. Um, And it makes it sort of spoiled my enjoyment of watching it first time around. And I think for people of our generation, maybe they feel the same. I don't know. Mm. Well, I mean, I enjoyed it more than I expected. I mean, I found it surprisingly moving. Um, I mean, apart from James Corden, who did rather get on my nerves, I thought it should have been presented by an American, but let let let, let that one go. But I thought it was quite... In, it, the best bits for me were the bits where the cast were just sat down and sort of talking amongst themselves. Um, that felt quite natural, and you could see that they still liked each other. Yeah, absolutely. They had incredible chemistry, I suppose, it could have gone either way this series, couldn't it? I mean, because it was ensemble and people were pitched as characters of an equal stature, um, they could have grown to hate each other, but actually they did seem to genuinely get on. I mean, that was quite shocking in a way. And also, Mm. I didn't find that the complete eager journey that I thought it would be. I thought, first of all, I thought two hours is too long, but actually I could have done with watching it. And I agree, it was emotional towards the end when they, they seemed to be breaking up. It was odd that they didn't really get together very much. I thought they'd be on the phone all the time, boring each other about what, how well they were doing. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But this is what, you know, which is what actors always say, isn't it? When you interview them, it's like, oh, you know, we had a great time together and then you just go off on another job and, and things, you know, you sort of drift apart. But what really um, impressed me was Matt LeBlanc. How Yeah, um, I thought he was great. Yeah. He just seems like a very nice grown-up guy and for the fact that he was you know the most juvenile one as Joey um and he just seemed to be very much like a father figure and also he's he's developing a very nice dad bod I noticed <laughs> yes. um whereas uh, um Courtney Cox looked younger than springtime I barely recognized her yes I mean they all looked a little bit like that really but yeah you were you're absolutely right about Matt LeBlanc he wore it very lightly didn't he and I loved the bit towards the end when Corden was running through what they might do as characters or where their characters would have been up to. And he said he might be running a sandwich bar on Venice Beach. And I thought immediately, that's the spin-off they've been looking for, surely. <laughs> yeah, because didn't he do a sitcom about being a, 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 a single dad or something after yeah, Friends, absolutely. Matt Blanc? Yeah, he did. And I, I'm one of the few critics, I think, that actually liked it. I don't know why. I mean, it was it absolutely went nowhere. He was living in a sort of dustbin of a flat, as I recall. 
No, it was um, no. I I thought it was it was it was very well done, and you know that uh, sort of era of American comedy was amazing. I mean, I was watching Frasier the other morning, and it had one of my favourite lines from the series ever, which is when Frasier's trying to buy an educational toy for his son, and it goes to the wrong address in Newport, and and Niles just turns around and says, "Oh no, the cranes of Maine have got your." living brain or something <laughs> and it just made me raw and you know you think about about you know the quality of the writing at that time imagine what the writers rooms must have been like that's something i'd have liked to have known more about yes i mean didn't you find that fascinating when we had the shot of yeah, the filming was going on and there was a huddle of writers and a joke hadn't gone down well and they're all sort of spinning lines and trying to get the right gag i mean i thought god pressure or what with the audience watching you god that was something maybe they do earn their money i think they got a million and a half the each didn't they the cast wasn't that the reputed sum yeah 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 so i mean but they were you know, to be fair they were learning learning the lines up to transmission weren't they and often when they were actually filming they would change the lines so um so you know, I mean, they, do, you, do you think um it should have come because a lot of people were disappointed in this format and actually wanted an episode to be done about where they were as characters. And I agreed with that up until I saw this. Um, and did what did you think about um, Phoebe when she said that she didn't think that um, there should be one that was interesting? Well, I mean, I don't think there should be one either. I mean, I'm I'm just uh, mortified that they're going to bring back talking about bringing back Frasier because I think things are never as good as you remember them. You know, um, I mean, I think one of the creators said about uh, about friends, it's about a time in your life when your friends are your family. And I think everybody can relate to that, you know, particularly when you're young. And I think just having them come back as, you know, soccer moms and, and computer programmers, it's not going to be as exciting. It's not. And would it be as nice? Things are far more cynical. I mean, that was the other thing I thought about it. I mean, oh, absolutely. But I mean, I, th I think it was so brilliant in that it did capture, you know, the reason it's gone down so well is, it, you know, it captures a time in everybody's lives, you know, when they're a sort of young adult and they're sort of, you know, breaking away from their families. I think there's a universal thing in there. And because it's American television, there's not going to be anything too contentious, is there? So it's going to go down well all over the world. And, you know, they were sort of glamorous and likeable characters and it was brilliantly cast. Yes, definitely. So um, I'm thinking I gave, I'm giving that five stars. Well, I'll give I'll I'll give it four and a half. Oh, you weren't welling I, up. You weren't welling up with tears like I was in the living room, clearly. No, sorry. It, 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 it failed to move me to tears, but I was moved just to see, you know, just to see old friends coming back together. That's always a, a lovely thing to see. Well, this is an unusual one. I didn't ever expect that we'd be reviewing Westminster Westminster Live, but um, <laughs> here we are. Dominic Cummings, colon, Westminster Live. Um, and he managed to stay in front of the camera for seven hours, which was an incredible feat. I mean, regardless of what we think about what he said. But I also thought maybe he should have done some better laundry because his shirt, even if it had been <laughs> iron, was sort of crumpled by the, by the time he even started. So I put that down as a wrong point to begin with. But, I, but it was sort of a, the white confessional shirt, wasn't it? 
It was, wasn't it? I mean, you know, but I mean, maybe he sort of, he was washing his dirty laundry in public, wasn't he? So maybe that's oh, why oh, he had a dirty shirt on as well. But um, wasn't he perfectly loose in front of the camera? He seemed very at ease, you know, sort of uh, dishing the dirt on everybody he'd ever worked with for the last five five years or so. He was a very natural. Um, uh, He's a TV natural. He was good. Yeah, definitely. He was sort of good. He was completely languid, wasn't he? He didn't seem to get ruffled at all. And then halfway through, he sort of was leaning all over the other chairs near him to get a, <laughs> a bit of purchase on. I don't know what, what he was saying or sort of I think he was leaning forward to look at the monitors. But he looked super relaxed. It sort of made me think, God, have they, they ran through a rehearsal. Was there a dress rehearsal for this? But I... Well, yeah, you do wonder if, you know, the sort of, you know, super spinner himself hadn't had a PR involved, a la Princess Diana's interview, um, to sort of go through rehearsals to show him go, you know, to, sorry, to show him in the best possible light. Also, he was, I mean, he was, he was going for the popular audience, wasn't he, in a way? I mean, there are references to films, Spider-Man, Independence mm. Day, Jaws particularly. It was like, you know, the whole thing was not... Um, uh, a film set I mean as much as he would like to think it was and then someone said to me oh he's got main character syndrome I think he was title sequence syndrome I think he was actually <laughs> title wasn't it I mean I don't know about main character <laughs> but also I mean I, I thought Greg Clark did really well I don't know who the sort of chair of one of those committees I mean he was like a sort of very polite dog with a bone just sort of gnawing away at this guy mm, but then mm. many, got many got many good lines out of him but of course, he did swear, which I thought that that will have won a lot of popular audience over when he said that we're passing on that message from someone in Whitehall that we're absolutely fucked, which is probably the most self-evident thing that we've ever heard, I think. Yeah, oh, where's Davina McCall when you need her? Please don't swear. Please don't swear. Um, but I mean, he really, he said what people wanted to hear. You know, I mean, never did I think I'd find myself saying, yeah, Cummings has got the popular touch. You know, he knows what people like. Um because he he's always seemed slightly standoffish and and absolutely not man of the people. You know, when he sat at his picnic table in the Rose Garden talking about his eye test in Barnard Castle, um, he just seemed incredibly awkward. But, you know, he was recanting that, wasn't he? And he was, um, yeah. he was a good recanter. Yeah. yeah, well, I suppose he was putting himself in a higher moral position now, having put himself in a lower moral position. <laughs> When he did that ridiculous Barnard Castle thing, I mean, he even he even stuck by that story that he tested his eyesight by driving a car with his family in it. That is still the most ridiculous thing ever. For a supposedly intelligent man to think that anybody believes that is a nonsense. I don't, yeah. know, what, I don't know what I think about it in the end. I suppose people are entitled to make up their own mind. But even after, I suppose I watched about four hours of it before I realised I should get back to my day job. <laughs> well, um, mind you, isn't it interesting, David, that if you sat and watched four hours of it, you know, somebody's going to think, wow, you know, they're going to maybe make a primetime version of um, of the Par of BBC Parliament channel or something. And, you know, we're going to get like two hours of the Education Committee in primetime or something. <laughs> Woo! I mean it, but the highlights are going to be buffering or someone sort of an empty chair or, <laughs> dare I say, a tub of lard. Right, we're going to talk about a BritBox program, so that's different. Woo! Uh, woo, it's called The Beast Must Die on BritBox, now available. I think all episodes are available. Um, this 
well, it's an ITV drama. Let's start by saying that. Um, and I did think it was a brilliant title, which drew me to it. I thought, you know, anybody walking around going, the beast must is in a really bad mood. So this is going to make quite good television. And it, well, did, I mean... and it did keep me engaged, I suppose. Yeah. That's good because I mean I don't have Brickbox, so I'm I'm talking completely out of my rear end on this one. But cause something called the Beast Must Die. I'm just thinking, oh Frankenstein, you know, it's got a bit of gothic flavour, um, but obviously not. T no, well, tell me about the plot, David. What what ha what happens? In you had two characters who were quite damaged in a way. You had a young detective played by Billy Howe, and he'd had a traumatic incident. I'm not sure exactly what that was, but he was visiting a therapist played by Nathaniel Parker, sort of thrown away in that role. Oh, I and, like him, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he was good. Maybe he'll come <laughs> into it later in a, in a group therapy session for the executive producer <laughs> and the rest of the crew when it bombs. But um, So you had him just taking over the role of detective and then you had Cush Jumbo and she was playing a mother who's I think she'd also lost a partner but more importantly well I don't know whether to put it that way but certainly she'd also <laughs> lost her son in what turned out to be a quad bike accident but it might not be a quad bike so there were a lot of um imponderables in the whole thing so she said about she quit a job as a teacher and set about trying to find this killer on the Isle of Wight and of course <laughs> whenever anything is said on the Isle of Wight I just immediately think, no, this is not a period drama, with the greatest respect to everybody on the Isle of Wight. But isn't the Isle of Wight supposed to be like the 1950s anyway? So maybe they should have done a Call the Midwife special there instead. Yeah, definitely. So she, 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 she managed brilliantly to be able to talk to a lot of people on the Isle of Wight with a fake ID and a clipboard. It's amazing <laughs> how easy it is to scam people. You just turn up with a clipboard and they start talking to you in TV land. Anyway, she managed to sort of vaguely identified the girlfriend of someone called George, who she thought might have been the uh, the rider of the quad bike, um, which had ploughed into her son. Um, and she basically went around with Lena, the girlfriend of George, who was a hostess, trying to get all this information, continue to get the information. And didn't, Lena didn't suspect this woman at all, <laughs> which was extraordinary. <laughs> And then she finally made her way to her house where George was there, played by Jared Harris. And he turned up at the end. Oh, lovely to meet you. And Cush Jumbo, Francis, is looking at all the other people in this house. And I'm well, is she just going to set about killing them all? And then it'll be <laughs> quad bikes at door. That's all I can think. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm, I used I became interested at the end when he said, and then Jared Harris turned up because he's, Absolutely fantastic. He's having such a renaissance at the moment. And I think, you know, he does pick fantastic roles. So maybe it's worth getting a Britbox for just to sort of watch Jared Harris. But otherwise, well, it, it just it sounds, might sounds be. a bit pedestrian. It, it, I think it needed to, I think we needed to compress that first episode into about seven minutes. <laughs> um, seven minutes with a clipboard and a fake ID and then her bumping into Jared Harris and then, I don't know liking him and then he she realizes oh my god you murdered my son and possibly my husband and the rest of my family it's a bizarre <laughs> thing well let's see let's see how it it plays out but um i think three and a half stars for me i will yeah exactly what well, i mean the kaminsky method kaminsky um it's uh back uh currently on netflix for its third and final series and i think it's well, I think it's friends quality drama, but featuring much, much older people. Um, no, you've, 
yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, the first two series revolved around Sandy Kuminski, Michael Douglas, who's a sort of a flaky drama teacher. He runs a school and he has been an actor. And um, his best friend, Norman, who was played by Alan Arkin, who is a, a grouchy um, Ed Reardon <laughs> type, if you listen to Ed Reardon on the radio, um, showbiz agent. You know, it's, it's been very Jewish. It's very dry. And at the start of the third series, we find that Norman's died. Oh, no. Oh. Dear God, what, the agent cancelled the contract. Oh, I know, his own contract. And what made it so wonderful was the relationship between Alan Arkin and um, Michael Douglas. But we see Norman in flashbacks in the new series. And it's so brilliantly dry, it's so brilliantly written. Um, you see a flashback with um, Norman and Sandy talking about a visit to a prostate clinic. And Norman <laughs> says, well, he never thought this would be funny. Um uh, well, you know, you don't want a guy coming at your balls with a pair of scissors. But, you know, the advantage is for the next two weeks when you see blood coming out, at least you know what's caused it. Um, <laughs> it's so wonderfully dry. It has great guest stars in it. And um, it, for me, it knocks every other comedy uh, I'm watching at the moment in, into a cocked hat because it's so beautifully crafted. It's very old-fashioned Jewish comedy, like, like a Woody Allen, but with less young women in it. It also <laughs> sounds like the antidote after, if you watch about three episodes of Friends, it's probably an antidote to that, isn't it? Well, I think so, particularly is it's, it's at the other end of the age scale. I mean, what I particularly like about it is um, Sandy Kaminsky has a daughter who helps him run his acting studio. And she is, um, you know, she's she's not skinny, shall we say. She's a beautiful blonde girl, but she's not skinny. But and um, but her weight is never an issue in any of the, the plots. And I really like that. Because the people in it seem real and very rounded. And Michael Douglas, who is probably, is he late, mid to late 70s now? His yeah, love absolutely. interest is a woman in her mid 50s. Um, you know, it's all pretty age appropriate and it's all very adult. Um, in a, sounds, in a very very gro sounds very grown up, properly grown up. Which well, is it is. But there's, you know, there's, there's lots of jokes about having a prostate examined as well. So, you know, every end of humour is covered, literally. <laughs> uh, That's th good. Yeah, there was a scene in the second series, I think, where Danny DeVito was a guest star and he played Michael Douglas's proctologist. There's lots of pro... Uh, and uh, he put his finger up Sandy Kaminsky's bottom and said, yeah, that's awful, isn't it? Even the gay guys don't like this bit. <laughs> a proctologist. What a, what a shame that um, my career is coming to an end. You know, I could have had it all <laughs> over again as a proctologist. Exactly. Yes. Oh well. Well, and but then you'd be coming to another end, wouldn't you? End after end after end. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah. If I was a casting director, I think I'd get Dominic Cummings to play a proctologist. Actually, he'd be good, wouldn't he? I can see him with the stethoscope round his neck. Let's talk about your homemade perfect BBC Two on Monday. Um, this is the same. It's basically a show about architects really i mean everybody deserves their turn i mean we haven't seen surveyors yet we always used to wonder about when quantities of surveyors would get run <laughs> yes that's um, right and uh and it was almost an architectural competition wasn't it you had two architects vying for uh for the gig as to, with to get the hundred and five thousand pound commission 
And the, the thing was about it, I mean, I have to say, first of all, this is an hour's television. Um, I reckon it's probably down to 10 minutes, basically a 10-minute meeting with an architect, really. But the gimmick is that they wear AR um, headsets and then we see the AR on the television. Yeah, now, and we all go, ooh. We ah. all went, woo, But then, you know, that, that took up about sort of 20 minutes. Then there was a lot of, I don't know what the next 20 minutes was about. The final sort of 10 minutes was only about the build. The thing about it for me, though, was there was absolutely no drama or jeopardy. I mean, if they'd said it was a £108,000 budget, which is quite a lot of money, mm -hmm. um, but there was the, uh, they were never not going to build this thing, even when there was a planning problem over the big long window, which is, I just did not care about. Wow. There was, there was, and there was a border dispute, which, you know, and, and we know how neighbour disputes go. They can get quite nasty. And at least that would have made some interesting television. But no, they just made the building slightly smaller. I know it just oh god it maybe maybe really crossed by them because I don't know why I've got a good friend who's an architect and I think he was bored to death by it as well but um, you know I think if you were an architect watching it it would it would drive you mad as well there was there was nothing to recommend the whole thing and I don't know why that sort of show is is back again and why they think a general audience would even be interested in it I'm so sorry BBC but. Looks well, great. it's almost a bit. It's almost not, like not people a... talking. So sorry, it's almost like people talking about their dreams, isn't it? You know, other people's dreams are quite boring, um, and other people's extensions are quite boring as well. I mean, as you say, there was no drama beyond which of the two architects are going to get chosen, and and when they were talking through their projects, boy, were they talking a load of old toots, you know? Oh, there was it was light I mean, wedges. Do, do, I mean, probably wedges would have been more interesting, but light and, you know, <laughs> does light make that much difference? I mean, just turn on a light, for God's sake. Anyway, I mean, that's I'm no starring that show for being absolutely tedious beyond belief. Well, I mean, I, I would give it two out of five, but, you know, my favourite house programme has to be DIY SOS. Because I think yes, absolutely. it's lovely. And I think Nick Knowles is a lovely presenter. Wonderful, Claire. Thank you for that. And what, That's what, great. A, week well, of, what a week of television we've had. Um, yes, I'm, I'm off to set up a showbiz agency and sign up Dominic Cummings as a new, as a new presenter of something wonderful. Absolutely. And I think I'm going to go and investigate proctology. Yeah.